4: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
0: good morning welcome to hardline here on news radio 930 wben Joe Beamer with you for the next two hours, and let's get right into it. Thursday morning, we heard District Attorney John Flynn give the results of an investigation into the disappearance of Buff State student Sanaya Dennis, and joining us is District Attorney John Flynn. John, good morning. Good morning, Joe. John, now walk us through this because before Thursday, uh, what we knew of the investigation, it was looking for a missing student. Um, so, where walk us through the beginning of the investigation and when it turned
4: to what you announced on Thursday? Sure. Well, I wasn't involved in the beginning of the investigation. The uh, obviously, the, the investigation started on you know, Saturday night, going into Sunday morning when this. You know poor girl apparently took her own life um the you know investigation by buff state got into uh you know in, in a full-blown mode quite frankly on that on that monday uh, which would have been the 26th of april uh at that time you know buff state was handling it along with um the new york state park police uh you know they they didn't call our office uh until wednesday you know some three days later and that's when we got involved. So, again, I wasn't really involved initially in the investigation. It's my understanding that, yes, initially they were looking at as a missing person. Um, you know, there was no indication, like, immediately uh, that it was a, an apparent uh, uh, taking of one's own life. Uh, they, they didn't get that information until we actually uh, reached out and spoke to some of her friends who then put us in touch with uh, a couple of her other friends who had various text messages from her uh, that showed that, uh, you know, she apparently was talking about taking her own life um, and wanted to take her own life. And then that's when it kind of turned from a missing persons into, um, you know, an apparent suicide. So again, it probably took, you know, uh, you know, after we got it on Wednesday, um, you know, we got actively involved. We you know we got the FBI involved. We got uh, the customs involved. We got dogs out there. We got helicopters out there. We got boats out there. And so, you know, it, it kind of got in a full blown mode mode at the uh, at the end of that week.
0: Now, John, on Thursday, you talked about the text back and forth. Uh, she was even playing video games with a friend in New York City. Did that gentleman? uh get in touch with you about the contact back and forth or is that something you had to find out through phone records?
4: No, we found it out through phone records. Yeah, no. The um all all, all of our all of our investigation that led us to um you know there were two gentlemen in, in the New York City area uh that were that were involved in this thing from the standpoint of uh of communicating with uh Sanaya uh on the day uh that uh, she went to Niagara Falls. And, you know, we, we got that information, as I said, on Thursday through, uh, you know, good old-fashioned police work. Uh, neither one of them reached out to us.
0: And there was also a part a point you said that she had taken a Snapchat picture uh, near the falls. Now, was that something that someone saved to their phone and sent to you? Or did you have to get that from Snapchat, uh, the company that puts on Snapchat?
4: Uh, we, 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 we We got that from... Um, one of her friends. Um, I don't, I don't know if we had to track that friend. I can't remember if we had to track that friend down or if that friend volunteered it. But uh, or, 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 you know, what now that I think about, the top of my head, we, we may have gotten a lead from a family member as to who that person might have been. So, um, yeah, we you know we, we, again, good old flashing police work here by just talking to people, finding out who her friends were, finding out who she talked to. Uh, you know, led us to uh, you know get various pieces of evidence.
0: Now, John, on Thursday, you gave the press conference, and I can't imagine that was an easy press conference to give. Uh, why was it that you went into such detail of this investigation and the findings?
4: Because there's obviously going to be a narrative out there, Joe, um, that, you know, how can you rule that it's a suicide if you do not have a body? And those who say that are technically correct, Um And, again, it's important to note that I have not ruled anything definitively a suicide. Um, You know, all I said on Thursday was is that the evidence that we have right now uh, leaves us to believe uh, or appears to be uh, one taking their own life. Uh, You know, I, I, I never at any point on Thursday, and I don't now three days later, sit here and say definitively that this poor girl took her own life. I can't say that, Joe, because I don't have a body. So obviously when you don't have a body um, and therefore and, and in addition to a body, I don't have a final autopsy. So, uh, you know, unless I have a body and unless I have a final autopsy, um, I cannot definitively say anything. So obviously, you know, that that narrative is going to be out there. Um, you know, her her members of her family think that. And I you know what? And I can't blame them. As a father, you know, I would think the same thing. I could never accept that. Uh, So I I felt uh, that because I did not have a body uh, and because there was just so much, you know, rumor and and media tension and, and, you know, talk about this, that, you know, I had to, um, you know, set the record straight, straight from a sense of this is what I know. This is what we have so far. Uh, this is what the facts are, and the evidence leads us to believe. And, you know, it was important to let the family know that, which I did the day before, okay? I, I let the family know all of this on Wednesday, and I gave them, you know, almost 24 hours in order to tell their friends and family so that, that, so that their friends and family wouldn't hear it from me, you know, on TV. So I, I told the family on Wednesday, laid it all out to them, gave them you know, almost twenty four hours to to tell their friends, you know, and their other family members so they wouldn't be surprised. And then I felt it important to tell the public because, you know, of the attention that it gave and because of the the outpouring of support and love that this girl got not just from the Buff State community, but from the entire Buffalo community. So, you know, I I, I had to be straight and upfront with now with family but with the public too.
0: And I'm sure you don't want to go into too much detail. But what was that conversation uh, like with the family, uh, the Dennis family, the day before?
4: Well, like I said on Thursday, you know, it, it didn't go great. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it didn't go great in the sense that that, like any parent, and again, I can put myself in their shoes as a father of five. Okay, you know, without a body, how how am I going to accept that my daughter did this? You know, first of all, as a parent, you know, you're never, you're never going to accept fully that your daughter could do this, that your daughter's life, that you've been such a part of, you know, could could say to themselves that I want to take my own life. I mean, to just just getting to that point is just extremely difficult as a parent, uh, and, and so you know, you, you compound that with the fact that you know there's no body, and so obviously. It's very, very difficult for, um, you know, parents to accept that, and and I don't blame them for not accepting it, and I understand completely for not accepting it. Uh, You know, again, I I just had to be upfront and straight with them, and I was, and my staff was, I should should admit, my staff was, and so, um, you know, they, they, they just had a difficult time accepting it
0: going back to the investigation you, you mentioned the uh, the two guys in new york city um now you questioned them i believe you said the fbi and new york uh, police also um questioned these two and they were cleared right from the beginning
4: yeah yeah they so so they, they 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 were cleared in the sense of that they were not in the buffalo area that they were that they that they had an alibi you know being that they they were physically in the New York City area. One was, you know, to be specific, one was in Yonkers, and the other one, I believe, was in Brooklyn or Bronx. But they were both in the New York City area you know, last you know, the weekend of the 25th, 24th, uh, 25th. So you know, they, 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 they were not there at all, um, present uh, at the scene. So, uh, yes, the, the FBI spoke to the, um, uh, the ex-boyfriend, and then we got NYPD to go speak to the other male friend. And
0: with the the camera uh, on the two buses that she took and also the last camera she was on at Niagara Falls, uh, I have to imagine you guys probably looked at days of tape um, to rule out that she ever walked by those cameras again, correct?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and we canvassed the area too, Joe, uh, around around the the entrance there to that Goat Island Bridge Road there. You know, there's a red roof in around there. There's a couple of quality in around there. There's a couple of little shops around there. So, you know, you know, not only did we canvas, um, you know, those those particular videotapes, but we also, you know, canvas the entire area, um, looking for any footage, looking for any video of her, um, and, and this, you know, again, to see if she somehow walked out of there um or you know again it'd be difficult to see inside a car if, if she drove out of there the problem is is that you know again i i found this in, in the course of this investigation the one thing i found kind of surprising was the lack of cameras on Goat island i mean you know you you would think that there would be a ton of cameras just on Goat island you know you know itself you know because again i i i don't, I don't have statistics but i I got to imagine that a lot of people in the past have, you know, jumped up the falls, you know? So uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit, I was a little bit surprised by the lack of cameras that were, um, you know, on goat Island uh, and, you know, in the vicinity there, but I'm told by, the state that they're in the process now of, uh, of getting more. And that, that, that that's good news.
0: And I, I know I'm kind of going backward, but at Buff State, you said that she had thrown some stuff away before leaving. How, what, I know you don't want to say exactly what it was, but what led you to believe that that kind of gave a signal that she wasn't coming back to Buff State? And how long into the investigation did you guys discover uh, what she had thrown away?
4: Well, as soon as, soon as Buff State got 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 the um the, the video camera of her uh, coming out of the elevator on the ground floor of their dorm, and then there was video camera in the hallway of the dorm that she was in, and which showed her, and then there was an additional video camera that was outside of the dorm. So again, you know, you know, this kind of goes back to my point about Goat Island. I mean, at Bus State alone, you know, in, in that one particular dorm. You got a camera in the elevator. You got a camera in the lobby of the dorm, and then you got a camera outside. So you got three cameras in a very closed area of, of the vicinity above State. And he had a, at, at at Niagara Park there uh, at Goat Island. you got like one camera, you know, that 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 shows like the entrance going into Goat Island. So you know that that, that, that you know me, me talking about this kind of makes my last point I made. Uh, but in any event, the, um, the 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 camera outside the dorm. Uh, showed her walking to um, a garbage can and throwing away um, th- and, th- and putting her hand in the garbage can. You, c- you couldn't tell really on the video. But then they, um, uh, the bus day police then went into the garbage can and retrieved it, um, retrie- retrieved the items. And, and again, you know, I, you know I, 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 it's tough for me to, like, you know, really answer your question, Joe, without, like, you know, alluding to what it may be or what— what you know what the general category may be, and i I don't even want to go there, but I can say that you know it, 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 you know they were items that you know you know just would leave a reasonable person to believe that she was not returning to the dorm, and that that's really kind of Joe, as far as I can go now the
0: the what you said on Thursday is you know it's a presumption uh, that she did go over the falls. Where does the investigation go from here? Because you did also say that, you know, you don't have a body. You can't do an autopsy. Is there still going to be some type of search uh, for Saniya Dennis around that area where you said the the dogs were wanting to jump into the um, into the falls when they were following her scent?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the um, the uh, the 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 park police are are, going to, you know, uh, just, you know, occasionally. Um, you know, look around there, and you know, they're, 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 we're going to have a helicopter up. You know, I, I, you know exactly. I mean, we, we, you know, we were doing it four or five times a day leading up to Thursday. You know, I don't think it's going to be that much anymore now. But uh, you know, whether it's once a day or every other day, you know, there's still going to be some presence. The problem Joe's going to be is that, and I, again, I, I said it on Thursday, and I, I hated to say it again. and I really hate to say it again, especially on Mother's Day here. Uh, because i mean it's, it's awful talking about this on Mother's Day, but again you got to do what you gotta do the um uh you know we, we may never find the body joe i mean that 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 that's what's really gut wrenching about this is that you know the area there at the base of the falls, as we all know from looking at the photographs you know you know the, the, you know if you, if you look at the horseshoe falls on Canada advice the american falls on on our side you know there there's a distinct difference you know not not only the horseshoe shape obviously is different but the, the, the main difference, obviously, is all the rocks at the bottom of our falls. And so, you know, those, those rocks, Joe, are huge. And they're multiple. And they're jaggedy. And they go deep down into the water. And they crop up, obviously, as we all, we all see by the, by the photographs of my being there here, but by living in Buffalo. You know, I mean, again, I hate to even say this, Joe, but there's a very good chance that this poor girl's body um, could get stuck in those jagged rocks down there and like never uh, surface and that 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 is the that that is a horror of this thing from um a mother's perspective here on mother's day
0: john a a very tragic story i know it's not easy talking about i really appreciate you joining me this morning no
4: problem, Joe. So have, have a good
0: one, buddy. Thanks, you too. District Attorney John Flynn uh, with the investigation into Sanaya Dennis. When we come back, we're talking with Jessica Piero, CEO at Crisis Services of Buffalo. And it is Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May. If you or someone you know might be at risk of suicide, there is help. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. We'll be back after. this. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you until noon today. Joining us this segment, we have Jessica Pirro from Crisis Services of Buffalo. Jessica, Good morning.
2: Good morning.
0: Uh, Last segment, we heard from District Attorney John Flynn um, and his results of the investigation into the disappearance of Saniya Dennis. And, you know, looking at the text messages that were sent in that that situation and her language to her friends in New York City, um, when you look at that, could you see signs and what signs should a parent who has a kid away from school look for uh, that they are – C- contemplating suicide or showing signs of something that needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah, I think the messages that we heard, um, through the report of this situation, you know, did highlight, uh, a young woman in, in distress. And I think that, um, what we need to take away from this, this case and this information that was publicly shared around her very, Challenging hours um, that we were, you know, shared, uh, that was shared with us is to do the best we can to be supportive, to listen um, and be non-judgmental with someone in that moment. Um, I think for parents across you know, our community and actually nationwide, because this, this particular case has, has gotten such attention, um, is really just a moment to remind ourselves to just check in with each other, um, check in with our children, uh, young and adults. Uh, check in with our loved ones to just say, you know, I just want you to know I'm here for you. If you need to talk, uh, please know that I'm here to listen. Um, When someone's in crisis at that level, it can be really scary to reach out because those thoughts that they're having are scary. Um, And so we just want to make sure that we continue to provide a compassionate and empathetic uh, community, uh, family members, um, and to just assure that will be there to help them through that, that moment and that crisis the best we can um, in when we're faced with it. What do you say to
0: parents that are sending a, a child to school maybe next fall and they hear this kind of story, you know, multiple times of a student in college, um, you know, was depressed or had suicidal thoughts? Uh, what's the message the parents should leave to their kids? And when their kid is in college, you know, a lot of people think if, if it's just over the phone, just over text, uh, they can't really connect with them like they can in a face-to-face conversation.
2: Yeah, those are some great questions. I think for parents of college-age students, um, and I was one my, myself several years ago, one of the things I, I explored with the campus was to understand what their counseling center program was like and what their their response to students in crisis is. Um, so as a parent, I understood you know, if there was a situation I had or I was concerned about, who do I call? Um, and if the school was to identify something, what was their process and their protocols? So those are things that parents can inquire about as their students are exploring campuses and colleges um, and really talk through that process. I think planning with your, with your children is important. And what I mean by that is talking with your kids um, to say, okay, if you're having a hard time, what are you going to do who are you going to call what information do you need what should information should we have programmed in your phone either for the counseling center for a family member or a a friend um, or the local crisis hotline in that community wherever that that student is Um, being planful ahead really is helpful because like i had said earlier when we're kind of at a crisis moment it can be very challenging to, to make a decision and kind of be creative of what we need to do because our thinking gets very restricted. So as a family, kind of planning that out ahead um, can be very helpful. Um, and I do agree. I know it's hard when students are away um, or our kids are away and it is through text or just a, a one answer response. But it's maybe just saying, you know, at least you know, a certain number of times a week or once a week. Let's FaceTime. I just want to have eyes on you. And that's, that's okay. I mean, I think that's, that's a real um, show of just, you know, I want to check in and make sure you're doing okay. So some of it is planning it ahead, um, talking about it as a family ahead. Um, and these don't just apply to, to college students. I think with any of us, if it's sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, whoever it is, Um, I think these are serious conversations we can have as families and plan those out. And if we need them, then we have a a solid uh, steps that we can take that are going to help us in those moments.
0: You know, in in 2021, it seems like everyone's on social media, obviously, especially uh, younger high school kids and and college students. And a lot of communication is through someone's news feeds, through uh, someone's tweets. Is there something to look for say you're concerned about someone in the way they're posting on social media or maybe lack thereof on social media that would put up a red flag that would make you you know think hey maybe I should call this person maybe I need to reach out
2: yes I think um, paying attention to language is is really important when we talk about someone in crisis you know, so if you're starting to see comments where somebody is just saying, I can't take this anymore, um, you know, the world would be better off without me, for example, um, or, you know, I'm just done with this or, you know, things like that that are, are statements like that. Those are things to, to, to reach in and say, hey, I, I've noticed these comments. Um, you might want to do it with a direct message or a call to them. Um, and say, you know, I'm just concerned what's going on. How can I help you? I think I've seen on social media and I've seen this with, with uh, You know adults as well um, that when I see something like that I do reach out to that person and say, you know, I'm, I'm concerned of how you know, this was presented You might have just been blowing off steam, but I want to check in and make sure that there isn't anything more going on I think we have to be um, willing to, to dive into that with people and, and reach out to them I, I think it's important to know though with social media media especially if there's any suicidal concerns there are ways through the, all the platforms that you can report those concerns of concerns that they might be suicidal and then there's protocols and procedures that all of our the social media outlets have in how to manage that with that particular person so Pay attention to that information on your social media of how you can report a concern of somebody who's suicidal, Um, you're able to do that. And um, they have some really great protocols in place to try to intervene with that individual as well. But with that being said, if it's somebody locally here in our community of Buffalo, Erie County, you can also reach out to us at Crisis Services. Uh, Our 24 hour hotline is 834-3131. I will say social media is a, a new way that we are getting information about um, concerns for, for loved ones and friends, um, and so sometimes we might get that same situation where they send us a you know a message about this particular post, what can we do, and we'll do our best to try to find that person, find information for them to contact them and, and do some intervention.
0: I, I know this is probably going to be a case-by-case case question, uh, but is there – a type of language or persistent language that if you have a kid in college and they keep they keep bringing something up or they keep talking in a way that's concerning that you would say okay it's time to take that kid out of school and bring
2: them back home oh that is a case by case situation um i think it really depends on the Um, their ability to manage their daily living every day. So, for example, if you have a student with, you know, that is, you know, maybe heading into a a, a depressive uh, episode, for example, Um, and they're unable to get themselves up to go to class or they're not going to class, they're not eating, maybe they're not sleeping well, Um, again, these might be things that you might not know, but you might have to inquire either with a roommate or, or, you know, maybe residence life to check in with them. Um, It's hard to say if just bringing them home is the answer. I think that has to be a conversation with that individual, that young adult, because some of the some of the structure of school can be very healthy and helpful. It just depends on where they're at and and are they able to pull themselves to be able to do the daily living skills that they need to do, such as taking care of themselves, eating, sleeping, and actually participating in their schooling. um, Or do they need to have more monitoring? And I think that's where the decision might come into play is if you have somebody who is at a higher risk uh, for, for suicide, for example, you want to have some good safety planning in place to um to help them and that might also be monitoring them at home so uh, it is a case by case every every individual is going to be different i do think that conversations about what they need and doing some safety planning and even ideas of how to you know what to do when they're having a hard moment who to call or what are some you know activities that might help them lift them up out of it a bit um are things that you could do with your with your uh, college student um and your your child so um I can't say like it is an answer for every case because being in school and having the socialization of school and their friends can be a very healthy protective factor, and that can be helpful for somebody sometimes when they're in those moments as well.
0: Maybe in a mental health awareness month, what do you say to someone right now who might be listening and you know they're they're noticing that they're having struggles and but they don't want to talk about it, they don't feel comfortable talking about it. Uh, with maybe in mental health awareness month, what's your message to them?
2: Well, first I want to say they're not alone. Uh, there are so many individuals in our community that live with their mental illness very successfully. Um, And they, you know, they received help. They reached out for help. There's many people who are living with their struggles alone. Um, And I think the message is you're not alone. And there is help to to help you through this because um, it's scary. And, you know, I know it takes a lot to make that call to somebody to say, hey, I need help. Um, It takes a lot of courage. And I, I want people to see that reaching out is a strength. Um, And you deserve that. You deserve that because it helps you to understand what's going on for you, um, understand what other tools or resources could be brought into your life to help you feel better um, and decide kind of what are some options to explore. Um, I think one of the things throughout this, you know, through historical we're dealing with historical stigma around mental illness for sure and mental health conditions in general. Um, But I think that through this past year and really the larger conversation about us taking care of our mental health and our self-care is something that I hope people realize is, is, is a hundred percent responsibility for all of us to care for each other. Um, But is also not a weakness. It's a strength to reach out. It's a strength to, to know that, um, there's people like you, um, and you're not alone, and we want to be able to talk it through and help you through through those difficult times. Um, so we really encourage people to reach out, and crisis services, you know, hotline staff are there 24-7, um, 834-3131. And, and also just an important point, you don't have to be in a heightened crisis to call us. And I think it's important if you're feeling different, if you're feeling off, if you're struggling, you can call the hotline and you can actually talk with our counselors anonymously to start to really see what we can do to help and give some guidance and support. Um, if it rises to a heightened crisis, then there's different processes that we do to intervene in that situation. But we want people to know that we're just one phone call away and, you know, we want them to be able to feel better um, and really start to build those strengths that they need to, to manage through those those struggles.
0: Jessica, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
2: Thank you so much for having me and continuing this important conversation.
0: Definitely, definitely. Jessica Pirro from buffalo crisis services also earlier in the week susan rose and brian mazarowski talked with carl shallowhorn here is part of that interview
6: carl shallowhorn is our guest live this morning a mental health advocate with carl shallowhorn consulting uh, carl you know as a region I think we're all feeling collective loss over the tragedy of Saniya Dennis, who is presumed to have taken her life, the missing Buffalo State College student. You know, it's so hard to come to grips with something that is so permanent over really what should have been a temporary problem, right?
7: Uh, Certainly. And first of all, I want to extend my condolences to Saniya's family. What we know is that many times when people have feelings of suicide, they are essentially caught in the grips of some pain that they feel is, like you said, uh, permanent. But we know that with the proper help, with the proper assistance, with the proper intervention, they can uh, work through those issues and, and get past that. But the key is that that intervention doesn't need to get immediately.
3: Um, It strikes me listening to what uh, was laid out yesterday in the process of events that, you know, people around her seemed to have that concern. And, you know, when I when I heard what was happening, it sounded to me like they were taking action. Um, You know, we heard of a call that was sent out, a voicemail left that, you know, hey, I need to hear from you or else I'm calling 911. I'm getting some help. And that seems like people who are very concerned, who are paying attention, yet it, it was too late. I mean, does that speak to the speed in which a crisis like this can evolve, or what can we learn from something like that?
7: Certainly, I think you know we could always look in retrospect and see in a situation like this what could have been done and what should have been done. But I think it, you know when we have something like this that happens, immediate action is needed. If we have any... Fear, uh, that a person is at risk of taking their life, we need to contact appropriate authorities. Of course, we know that there was a uh, distance involved with people in New York City, but there's still the possibility of calling the New International National Suicide Prevention Lifeline or, or other resources in the Buffalo area, like crisis services, to alert them, and, and then the process could begin, or even 911, for that matter, uh, to, to let the process begin to search for the person, to try to find the person, so and, we and, you know, there was time there was time that took place. So I think the whole idea is that we don't want to just try to, uh, you know, delay and not delay, but try to, um, you know, take measures to our own hands, but turn over to those who are who are properly prepared to handle it.
6: You know, I, I keep thinking about her family and I keep thinking about her friend, the one she was communicating with at the end. Is guilt over not being able to help her something that's going to haunt him and others who would be in a similar situation?
7: Well, I would say, most certainly. I mean, if it were me, I would feel I'd feel very guilty uh, about this, knowing that. And I, he did try. I think you know, from once again, I can't presume, but I, I'm, I'm thinking he probably did try to the best of his ability to do what he could. But to lose a friend like that, there, there is certainly. And the fathomless guilt. But there are places uh, and resources to get help if you need it for, for grieving and to work through those things and also counseling. But, yes, guilt, I'm sure, would be weighing on him very heavily.
3: You mentioned help, and we talk about ways to get help all the time. And I think maybe one of the barriers to this is we don't really know what that help looks like. What happens when you call, uh, you know, know, one of these crisis hotline numbers or or if you seek out help? What does that look like and how does that work?
7: Well, for example, if someone calls crisis services, uh, they will, of course, the first thing you do is you get a hold of of one of their, uh, you know, uh, counselors that's on the line, one of their specialists that's on the line. And they could then potentially dispatch a team to go out, a mobile crisis team, to go out to do a welfare check on someone. And, and that's probably one of the first steps that will happen. Um, Spectrum Human Services also has uh, an outreach that can also be contacted. So we know there's, there's crisis teams that, will, that are mobile that will go out to, to see someone, to make sure they're okay, uh, if necessary, uh, you know 911 can also be called uh, and called the, the local law enforcement. But one of those places can be called to make sure a person's okay. And if an intervention is needed, then that person can be taken to um, whether the ECMC uh, or 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 somewhere where they can get that assistance they need.
6: You know, when is the stigma going to end over this? We've been talking about it seemingly forever. You know, when when someone needs help that they, they are ashamed to ask for it. It seems all too often.
7: Yes, stigma is a, is, a, is a major barrier when it comes to people seeking help. I would say it will end when we are more comfortable talking about mental health. Uh, I'm the chair of the Erie County Anti-Stigma Coalition. We ask people to go to our webpage, letstalkstigma.org. We have resources. We have uh, tips on how to start the conversation. And so when someone is willing to open up and talk about what's going on with them, they're more likely to get the help that they need. But also stigma in general is something that, that I think we deal with this as a society because we're uncomfortable talking about mental health. There are a lot of misconceptions, there's a lot of fear uh, about mental health. But if we normalize it, if we get people talking about their stories and talking about the fact that it's not a weakness, it's a, a sign of a strength, actually, to get help, perhaps we'll be on a better road. That, again,
0: was Carl Shallowhorn from earlier this week with Susan Rose and Brian Mazurowski. Before that, Jessica Pirro joined me from Buffalo Crisis Services. Their 24-hour hotline is 834-3131. Also, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You can also text a crisis counselor at 741 741-741. My thanks also to District Attorney John Flynn, who joined us in the first segment. When we come back, Professor Jacob Neuheisel will be joining us to talk about politics in general, especially today's politics. It is
6: Hardline on WBEN.